Shalom, and welcome to Kehilat Rosh Pina, a dynamic, multicultural, and growing Messianic Jewish congregation located in the heart of Oklahoma City and led by Rabbi Michael Weigand. Our goal is to bring you the message of the Word each week from a Jewish perspective and to exalt Messiah Yeshua as Lord and Savior overall. We are a loving congregation made up of both Jew and Gentile, now one in the Messiah, with Shabbat morning services at 10.40 a.m. and various studies throughout the week. Please come and join us next time you are in Oklahoma City. We would love to have you. And now, we hope you enjoy today's message. A few weeks back, actually a few months back, I mentioned something that had happened to me in my life. And it actually is rooted in Texas. And back in 1974, I moved from the northeast of the United States to Texas, to Dallas area, to go to Bible college. And as happens when you move, and especially in my case, I drove a car, you know, a car that I owned. I drove that car to Dallas and settled in with school and with work, a very busy schedule, I might add, which I loved, very busy schedule. And then it came time that I had to change the license plate to a Texas license plate. And I've mentioned this before because I, never, I have never forgotten what the letters were and the numbers were on that license plate. To this day, and that's many years ago now, I won't tell you how long, to this day I still remember the license plate. And I'll explain to you why and then take it a step further. The license plate, the new issued license plate I got in Texas was JAS 579. JAS 579. Now, granted, I moved to Texas to go to Bible college. And of course, as soon as I saw that, on my license plate, that said only one thing to me. JAS said James, and 579 said chapter 5, verses 7 through 9. And how many of you thought that too? And I said, no, a couple of you did. But I remember a Bible student, a fledgling Bible student, he gets this license plate in this new state that he's moved to, and it's JAS 579. Well, here's what... James chapter 5, verses 7 through 9 says. It says, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The first thing I see is be patient. How many of you love to hear that first word? Be patient. Therefore be patient, brethren. And then it says, until the coming of the Lord, which we know that can be at any time, but that's at his choosing, the time of his choosing. Therefore, be patient, brethren, till the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently, and there's that word again, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient, and there's that word again. You also be patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. That's the second time that's mentioned. In verse 9 of my license plate number, JAS 579, verse 9 says, 
Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. And then it concludes with, behold, the judge is standing at the door. You can imagine how that went over when I got my new license plate and every time I looked at my car, I saw JAS 579. Be patient, be patient. The Lord is coming and don't grumble. Basically, the directives that are in there. But recently, I've been wondering what I would have done if the license plate had been JAS 510. It was James 5, 7 through 9 as far as I was concerned. But what if it had been JAS 510? Let me read you the very next verse. James chapter 5, verse 10 says, My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Now, I'm not sure which one of those would be better, James 5, 7 through 9, or James 5, 1, 0, James 5, 10. But it says, my brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. James 5, verse 10, sets forth the life of the Hebrew prophets as an example, really, for all followers of the Messiah. And think that through some. It says, take the prophets, my brethren, take the prophets as an example, James 5.10 says. And when you think about the lives of the Hebrew prophets, very deep study if you want to study that, the various lives, when you think about them, there are many things you might conclude. You might conclude, yes, they were used by the Lord. But you also might conclude, as you study the lives of the Hebrew prophets, that their life was not always so easy. That they encountered many difficulties. If you have a good Bible in the beginning of each of the Hebrew prophets' names, uh, there, as you enter one of the prophets, say, Ezekiel or Isaiah, there may be a page that tells you a little bit about them, but one characteristic is they ministered for the Lord, usually with much difficulty. Opposition from outside, sometimes intolerance towards them, etc. So the lives of the Hebrew prophets really were not so easy. It was not an easy life for them. And in a parallel manner, we can also say at times that being a true follower of Yeshua, and I mean a committed follower, a true follower of Yeshua is not also a cakewalk. It's not a cakewalk. There will be times when we're misunderstood. How many of you have experienced that? You've been misunderstood. I know I have. In the family, among neighbors, uh, co-workers, you're misunderstood. You can even experience rejection you may lose your friends. I know when I became a believer, I lost virtually all my friends, especially when I started sharing with them about the Messiah. Numbers of them were Jewish friends, and the distance got greater and greater. But here we are. Yeshua is the Lord. You may be misunderstood. You can experience rejection. And at times, you may even suffer a little persecution 
perhaps at the workplace, etc. Using stark descriptive terms, the book of Hebrews chapter 11 verse 36 and verse 37 tell us, in describing the prophets, it describes them that how they experienced mockings and scourgings and chains and imprisonment. It says they were stoned, they were sawn in two, describing the prophets and those who were linked spiritually with the prophets. They were tempted, they were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. Again, remember what James chapter 5 verse 10 says, my brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Well, I think it's safe to say that our struggles now in 21st century America as believers is not as severe as what we read about of the prophets. Sure, we have times where we feel cast off and misunderstood, but at times also we don't feel cast off and we do feel received. At times we don't feel rejected. We do feel received by others as they become aware of our faith in the Messiah But some of the prophets suffered immensely. Think of Ezekiel. Think of Isaiah. Or think about Yermiahu, Jeremiah. And this week's Haftorah portion is taken from the words of Jeremiah. When we look at this Haftorah portion, which I'll confess to you of the 54 Haftorah portions, this is one of my all-time favorite ones. Jeremiah, chapter 7, and also parts of chapter 9 of Jeremiah. This book, the book of Jeremiah, is a very lengthy book. Many difficult passages, and to understand some of the passages in the book of Jeremiah, one has to understand some of the history connected to Jeremiah, some of the time frame of when Jeremiah spoke. And to put it mildly, a good part of Jeremiah's ministry, if we can call it that, of his service to the Lord and to the people of Israel was just before Jerusalem was sacked by Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, and his armies. And Jeremiah is one of the last voices from Hashem above to the people there that are about to be overrun And Yerushalayim is about to be destroyed, basically cut off. And the people are going to be taken captive. And even the kings at Achaia's eyes would be poked out. And the last thing he saw was the slaughter of his own sons, according to the scripture. What a scene that is. And Jeremiah's called to minister, to use our term, to serve the Lord, to be the Lord's mouthpiece in that generation. And if you read the book of Jeremiah, if you're familiar with what happens in his life, it was not very easy. Life was the pits. He literally is thrown in the pit at one point. And he was betrayed, and he was mocked, and he was laughed at. And yet, All that has passed away, and what do we have? We still have what God spoke through him to this day in Oklahoma City in 21st century America. We have the words of Jeremiah. He was anointed of the Lord to speak to that last generation, to speak God's word. And as you read Jeremiah, you have some of the most difficult passages where he talks about his his eyes are full of tears, 
And then you have some of the most beautiful passages you'll find, the most poetic Hebrew language passages you'll find in the Tanakh. And they come from Jeremiah. And think about it. He's called to that generation before the raising, the sacking, the destruction, and the exile of Jerusalem, Yehuda, Judah. And he's called to that generation. How courageous was this man? There's no indicator within the book of Jeremiah that he ever relented of his faith. A rebel said, no, Lord, I don't want to do this anymore. Choose somebody else. He kept going. Perseverance, patience, doing God's will. And he yielded to the Lord in the midst of difficult generation, difficult circumstances. He endeavored in the midst of all that was going on, the cacophony of sound that was going on, the, 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 the sounds from every direction. He endeavored to listen to the voice of the Lord and to hear the voice of the Lord in that generation. My friends, that's a lesson for us. We need to make sure in this generation where there are wars and rumors of war and all kinds of things out in the airways that we are really hearing the voice of God. And he endeavored to do that. And God met him and God will meet us also as we set our face towards him and we're determined to follow him and to listen to his voice. And Jeremiah chose, and this is a big choice, and we still have to make this choice. This has gone from door to door, from generation to generation. Jeremiah chose to obey God. He chose to obey God, not to disobey God. And here are his words from this week's Haftorah portion, at least part of them. And I'll, I'll warn you that the Hebrew language, there's slight difference in the numbering. I'm going to use the English language version numbers. But in Yermiah, Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 21, it says this. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, add your burnt offerings to your sacrifices and eat meat. Verse 22, Jeremiah chapter 7 and notice this, please. For I did not speak to your fathers or command them, this is key, the next thing, in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I did not speak to your fathers or command them in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt concerning burnt offerings or sacrifices. But this is what I commanded them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people, and walk in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well with you. Yet, verse 24, yet they did not obey or incline their ear, but followed the counsels and the dictates of their evil hearts, and they went backwards and not forward. They went backwards and not forward. And what a startling phrase that is. They went backwards and not forward. How did God's covenant people at this time in Jeremiah's life, how did God's covenant people end up going backwards? And not forward in their walk with the Lord. How did they do? What happened? After he had delivered them 
from bondage way back in the land of Egypt and all the way forward provided for them. He had revealed his great power to them and he gave them exceedingly great promises for what Jeremiah would later describe in this very book. He would say, I have given you a future and a hope. How did they end up going backward and not forward in their walk with the Lord? What happened? And most significantly to us today, in connection to this very idea, if that happened to them, could it happen to us now? Could we be a people that goes backward spiritually and not forward spiritually? The very thing that Jeremiah said to that last generation of Jerusalem before the 70 years of exile in Babylon. Your people going backwards and not forward. What about us? Could it happen to us? Well, Jeremiah pointed out several principles to them that led to their backwardness, going backward spiritually, and their lack of progress, spiritual progress. For example, it says they, basically they added their own ideas to what following God meant. He said to them, for I did not speak to your fathers or command them, again, this is significant, in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt, I did not command them concerning burnt offerings or sacrifices. And when we look at the Torah narrative, say for Shemot, the book of Exodus, we see that what Jeremiah said is exactly true. In Exodus chapter 15, which we remember Exodus 15, where we get the mi chamocha from that we sing. We remember Exodus 15, the children of Israel have just experienced his great deliverance and the army of Pharaoh is destroyed as the water comes on them, crushes them and drowns them. And the children of Israel had walked through on dry ground. Great deliverance. We remember the dancing and Miriam, the sister of Moshe and Aharon, grabs the timbrel and starts dancing. And I will sing unto the Lord, for we, he has triumphed gloriously, the horse and the rider cast into the sea. We remember all that. But in the same chapter, the same time frame, here's what it says. One of the first events, and one can argue the first event after this great celebration is in Exodus chapter 15, and we'll pick it up at verse 24. It says, the people complained against Moses. They complained against Moses saying, what shall we drink? What a high and a low there is there in that chapter grabbing the timbrel, singing and dancing and rejoicing in so great a salvation. And then they complained against Moses. What shall we drink? So he, Moshe, cried out to the Lord. And by the way, that's always the best thing to do. Go first to the Lord with your situation. Amen. It's always best. That's one way of acknowledging his lordship is to have a first fruits kind of relationship with him that he's first in your prayer, that you go to him first. When you need counsel, you go to him first and ask him. 
With your finances, you acknowledge him first with tithes and offering. With your time, you give him first your time in the morning if you can. And Moshe did this. He cried out to the Lord. And here's the Lord's solution. And the Lord showed him a tree. (laughs) Now, I imagine Moses really knew the Lord at this point and knew not to think about this. If God showed him a tree, then a tree it is. The people are complaining, what shall we drink? And God shows Moses a tree. And when Moses cast it into the waters, the waters were made metukim, they were made sweet. So those bitter waters became sweet. The waters they had been by, they looked so promising that were not potable water, as we would say. When the tree was cast into it, the text tells us in the Sefer Shemot, the book of Exodus chapter 15, those waters were made sweet. And here's the next thing. There Adonai Hashem made a statue and an ordinance for them. This is well before the institution of burnt offerings. There had been a Passover offering well before this. Adonai made a statute and an ordinance for them and, and there he tested them and he said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians for I am the Lord who heals you. Catch it. God shows them first of all a tree. A tree that made the bitter sweet, that changed their circumstance from one of desperation to one of hope and joy and sustenance, that took away the the thirst that was deep inside of them and satisfied them. It was through the tree, that tree of God's ordaining that he pointed out to them. The pattern's the same for us. We must see the work of Yeshua on the tree in our life. We must see that. Whatever you're facing in life, you must see the work of Yeshua on your behalf on the tree. You're having bitter time in life. You need the sweetness of the Lord. Look to the tree, Yeshua, who laid down his life for us. Luke chapter 9, verse 23 and verse 24 tells us, Yeshua said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, Let him deny himself and take up his execution stake, his cross, the tree, the its. Daily, each day. And then there's this, follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. We need to present ourselves as living sacrifices to the Lord and take his mantle upon us to be his servants, to look as we do and recall the example that the prophets have shown us and the shlichim, the apostles of the Lord have shown us. Jeremiah also in chapter 7 went on and he said, but this is what I commanded them saying, obey my voice and I will be your God and you shall be my people. The people of Jeremiah's time, 
they were not diligent at all in hearing and responding obediently to the voice of the Lord. They had other voices they were listening to. The voice of self, the voice of indulgence, the voice of immorality, the voice of greed, the voice of lack of love. They were listening to those things. And hearing the Lord and obeying the Lord would help them go forward, but they weren't doing that. The end result was they weren't making progress, so they were regressing spiritually. They were losing ground spiritually because each day that they chose not to serve the Lord and listen to his voice was like a step backwards. It was like a missed opportunity. It was like a a chance that they could have grown and stepped more into the things of God. They were stepping farther away. And after a while, and you can try this out at home, but stand face to face with someone, your husband, your wife, or a child, and whisper to them when you're close. You'll hear them. You'll hear them. And keep whispering and keep taking steps backwards. And you know, the farther your steps are away, the less you hear. And the more steps away from God and his, his ways that we take, the less we hear him. We miss it. You know what we do then? We start making up things. Well, I think he's telling me this. I think he's saying that. When he really wants us to live according to his word and according to his spirit, to have ears to hear what the Ruach is saying as the new covenant says it. Try it at home. Start whispering and take steps away and see how long you can hear. It won't be very long. So as they were not listening to the voice of the Lord, they were, rather than progressing and growing closer to the Lord, they were growing farther and farther away from him. And they were filling in their own thoughts as to what they thought God wanted from them. When, and from the very beginning, from Exodus chapter 15, even before, he wanted them, listen to me and obey me. Listen to me, obey me. Do what I say. Listen to me. Yeshua said it this way. One of many ways that he stated it, but this one is very well known, so I'm going to repeat it for us in Yohanan chapter 15, verse 5. He said this, I am the vine. How many believe Yeshua is the vine? He's the vine. I am the vine, and that means that you are the branches. That sounds wonderful. He's the vine, we're the branches. Things are really great. How about the next thing he says? He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Do we believe that? Do we feel like we can do it on our own without him? For without me, you can do nothing. He alluded to this many times in many different ways, but this is one of the most well-known. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do no thing, nothing. Jeremiah told them further in chapter 7 of Jeremiah. He said, Walk in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well with you. In other words, they were to live according to the Lord's precepts. Not their own will, 
not their own desires, but according to the Lord's precepts, to his will. And we all know Yeshua when he was asked, Lord, please teach us how to pray. One of the statements in the apostolic prayer of the Lord's prayer is, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Will you repeat that with me? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. They were not to replace God's commandments with the commandments of men. They were to obey God's word, give his word primacy. And as they did so, he promised, he said, for, he said that it would go well with them, that it may be well with you, was the promise. And sadly, sadly, Jeremiah, and he was, he's called the weeping prophet for many reasons, but sadly, Jeremiah made it clear to the generation that they had disregarded God's voice and they had disregarded God's ways and they were spiritually going backward and they needed to stop it. Jeremiah chapter 7 continues in verse 25. Since the day that your fathers came out of the land of Egypt and until this day, I have even sent to you all my servants, the prophets, daily rising up early and sending them. That shows diligence on the part of God. They rise up early and I'm sending them to you. It shows no slackness, no divine slackness. And we know that he that keeps Israel doesn't slumber or sleep. Since the day that your fathers came out of the land of Egypt until this day, I have even sent to you all my servants, the prophets, daily rising up early and sending them, yet they did not obey me or inclined their ear, but stiffened their neck. They, they're referencing the people around Jeremiah. The prophets obeyed. The people didn't want to hear. And it says, they did worse than their fathers. Therefore you shall speak all these words to them, but they will not obey you. You shall also call to them, but they will not answer you. So you shall say to them, this is a nation that does not obey the voice of the Lord their God, nor receive correction. Truth has perished and has been cut off from their mouth. I don't know. How do you say, whoa? What a statement he makes, one of many in the book of Jeremiah. So besides adding to God's word and disavowing God's word, not obeying his voice and not acting in accordance to his word, they also disregarded the prophetic voices that were sent to him, to them. They stiffened their necks to reproof and they would not personally respond to his call on their lives. And I hope that doesn't characterize anyone here. Are you responding to God's hand on your life? Are you progressing spiritually? Or are you allowing other things to fill you and getting farther and farther away? So after a while, I don't want to trip and fall here, but you may stumble and fall and not be able to hear the voice of the Lord. Now, what happened with them as they distanced themselves from the Lord when they wouldn't listen to him they wouldn't let him correct them they wouldn't receive what happens to them and it, it's really emphasized what happens to them when we start thinking of some questions connected to all of this 
For example, what were they adding to the Word of God? They weren't listening to the Word of God, but what were they adding in its place? Uh, Whose voice were they listening to? If they weren't listening to the Lord's voice, then who were they listening to? What actions were they doing if they weren't really doing the prescribed behavior that God wanted from them? which meant caring for them, their neighbors and, and caring for the orphans and widows and, and gathering together and worshiping and praising. What were they doing in place? And what were they substituting for his truth? If they weren't receiving his truth, they were substituting something in its place. What were they substituting for the truth of God? And think of this, what would they become? If they weren't being disciplined by the Lord, what kind of sons and daughters would they become if they lacked the discipline of the Lord? And we understand a bit more why Jeremiah was told by the Lord to characterize the generation around him. They went backward and they didn't go forward. Now, I want to conclude with what I believe is a beautiful passage, and it's also from the Haftarah. As I mentioned in the beginning, Jeremiah's words can be very difficult, but spliced into them are continuous words of hope. For example, Yermiah, Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 and verse 24, the numbering is different in the Hebrew text. But it says, thus says the Lord... Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, glory in this that he knows and understands me. Adonai, that I am the Lord. Exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. And then there's this statement, for in these I delight. What does he delight in? Well, that we would know him. He delights in that. He wants us to grow to maturity and grow in our knowledge of him, not to lose the knowledge of him. He delights in loving kindness. He delights in righteous judgment. And he delights when righteousness permeates the earth. And how much more so among his own people. He says, for in these I delight, says the Lord. You see, if we're pressing on, going forward and not backward in our spiritual walk, if we're pressing on to use the new covenant term, that's a new covenant principle as well. Pressing on. The eloquent words of Rab Shaul are found in Philippians chapter 3, beginning with verse 7. He wrote, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Yeshua. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Messiah Yeshua, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Yeshua and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Messiah, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know Yeshua and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death, if by any means 
I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Messiah Yeshua has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and notice what he says here, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Messiah Yeshua. I leave you with this thought. Are you pressing on in your walk with the Lord? Are you growing in areas of commitment and devotion? Are you a person that just excuses yourself from these things? Or do you really toe the line, get rid of the excuses, and start doing what God says? Are you a person that's allowing your life and every aspect of your life to be under his scrutiny? Are you a person that's allowing him to discipline you and correct you? Because if we harden ourselves to his correction, we're going to turn into something else than what he really desires us to be. Are you a person that's seeking to obey the Lord, to hear his voice and walk in his ways? Are you doing these things that you might glorify him and presenting yourself as a living sacrifice, which is our reasonable service of worship? You know, my friends here today, we don't want to go backwards. We want to go forward. And please don't think, well, that was the days of Jeremiah and it can't happen to me. We're in the last days, whatever that means. But we are in the last days. Let's press on to know the Lord. Let's make sure that we give him every area of our life. Even if it's incrementally, but let us keep growing and not regressing. Let us keep progressing forward and growing to maturity, not dying on the vine and withering. Will you pray with me, please? Father, we praise you that you gave us your word, the scripture. And we thank you for your Ruach HaKodesh, your Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, as you have allowed us to live at this time, in this fateful generation that we live in, I pray that we would be vessels of your righteousness, of your truth, of your word. Father, thank you for every person hearing these words. And thank you, Lord, that you are at work in the hearts of your people. In ways that we cannot imagine, but you are faithful to do. Lord, as we go forward, that you would be glorified in our lives and magnified. His name. Amen. You've been listening to the Shabbat message from Rosh Pina Messianic Jewish Congregation in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. We would love to have you visit us. Our weekly services begin at 10:40 a.m. each Shabbat, and we are located at 2600 Northwest 55th Place, north of Northwest Expressway at the corner of Northland Avenue and Northwest 55th Place. We meet each Shabbat for wonderful praise and worship with dance liturgy, teaching, food, fellowship, excellent children's programs, and Bible studies on Tuesday nights. For more information, please visit our website, www.roshpinah.org. That's R-O-S-H-P-I-N-A.
www.ahh.org. You can also reach us by phone at 405-842-1967 or email us at info at Thank you for spending time in the Word with us today. Shabbat Shalom and blessings in Messiah Yeshua.